Well, good evening, Trekkies and Trekkers around the globe. It's Monday night at 7.30 p.m. Eastern Daylight Savings Time. That means you can pick up the phone and let your fingers do the walking and call Trek Talk. And we'll be live for the next hour. Our phone number here is 646-668-2433. Welcome to Comic Corner. Now, you might be wondering, geez, Uncle Jim, why did you play the Lord next to our usual Eric song? Well... That's because tonight we're going to be talking about Lower Decks, issue number one. That's right. Lower Decks has a comic book. We're going to talk about it. Wait, there's more. We're also going to talk about Star Trek, Picard, Stargazer, issue number one. Later in the show. So if you'd like to talk about either one of those two books, please pick up the phone and give us a call, and we'll get you right on the air. Before I go too far, I'd like to introduce you guys, my Trek group. As usual, hailing from Portland, we have Eric. How are you doing tonight, Eric? I am doing quite well. Thanks, Jim. Uh, it's a beautiful day here in Portland, and uh, looking forward to talking about some comics tonight. Comics are good. Comics are good. And also hailing from Portland, we have our very own toy guy, Paul. How are you doing tonight, Paul? Hey, man. I'm doing all right. Things are okay. Busy day, uh, busy time of year. But, uh, but things are good, and comics Make a great respite from all that crazy zaniness. Yes, they do. They do indeed. And, of course, we have with us our very own Charles. And Charles is out in Las Vegas. How are you doing tonight, Charles? I'm doing good. It was definitely a Monday today, but I'm glad to be home and talking comics now. Lots of good stuff. So uh, did everybody get a chance to uh, read Lower Decks yet? I hope. I think we want to do Picard first because somebody didn't get his Lower Deck comic in Portland. Oh, that's right. Somebody yeah, didn't get mean, Lower uh, Deck. If you, want to, if you want to start with Stargazer, uh, that would be great for me because I uh, did have a little mishap at the comic shop. So I haven't had a chance to read Lower Decks yet. All right. Well, let's, uh, we can do that. Let's, okay. So forget that. Then we have to go to this. <laughs>
You know, I just love the way, I just love the little Reskian flute that comes in with the little Star Trek uh, montage at the end. So, yes, that is the theme song for Star Trek Picard. And why am I playing that? Because we're going to talk about Star Trek Picard. Uh, Stargazer issue number one. We'll talk about Lower Decks second. Okay, so I apologize. So Star Trek Picard uh, ended with uh, the Borg kind of hanging out with the Federation, Seven of Nine and Rafi on the bridge of the Stargazer along with Picard. And Rios was, was back in the past with his girlfriend there. And that's where we last saw it. Well, IDW has a comic book. I believe it's a three-issue uh, run um, of Stargazer. It's written by Mike Johnson, and uh, it's co-produced by Christian Beyer, who, of course, works on Star Trek Picard television show. So that means the stuff that's in the comic books is going to be pretty accurate, what we see or will see uh, in season three. Now, this is going to take place after season two and before season three, obviously. So uh, that, that's where we fall. That's where we're falling. Issue. So uh, who wants to dive right in and start us off? Eric, you want to start us off? Sure, yeah. Uh, so uh, we can just talk about, of course, uh, who actually built this book for us. Uh, and thank you very much to the amazing team that we've seen over and over again. So this book is written by Kristen Beyer and Mike Johnson, uh, who are our uh, canon-adjacent writers, right? That's what makes these comics so authentic is because the same writers who are writing the shows are, are helping to write the comics, which is pretty special these days. We've also got art by Angel Hernandez, who, of course, we've seen uh, their talents myriad times over the Star Trek series over the last few years and um, a couple other recognizable names in the credits. So I really dig that this book starts out with Seven in kind of a command position, and what you sort of learn, uh, spoiler alert, is that she is dealing with a a modified Kobayashi Maru that uh, Picard has kind of set up for her, which I think is really cool because um, what it does is it kind of, uh, their conversation sort of juxtaposes uh, Seven's need to go blow stuff up with Picard's, um, you know, sometimes you don't have to blow stuff up to make the right decision uh, kind of conversation. So I really like that. And and as their conversation sort of starts to fade, we get tossed back into uh, a flashback. Um, uh, well, actually, I guess it's after Picard goes to back to his vineyard and he's talking to Laris. He gets kind of tossed back into a flashback. And the flashback is aboard the Stargazer, the the um i guess the newer version of it no it's the version of it when he was young because he's got hair uh but it's interesting because when you look at the design of the ship in my opinion there's like there's like a one page shot of um of the look of the ship and you get uh first the look of the new stargazer which is really cool and you get picard talking to them and then as he starts his story you get the shot of the old stargazer and you get picard with hair (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> which I think is really yeah. cool. There's, there's no, well, like, Picard uh, with hair, the way he looked, if, if you've ever seen those uh, audition photos, right, from the first yeah, season of yeah. Next Gen, yeah. where uh, they're like, oh, I, we can't have a bald guy in the lead part, right? And they're like, made him put on a toupee. I swear that's the exact same hairstyle. Yeah. That, 
from those looks, shots, man. It, it looks, looks exactly the same. It's like the widow's peak comb over situation. Where totally. Some hair left, but nah, you know, he's, they're making a little bit work uh, a lot. <laughs> so, but it works really, really well, I thought. Um, well, it, it gets you yeah. back. That plus his uniform kind of pulls you back in time to that pre-season yeah. you know, season one um, Starfleet era. So I really like that. And his helmsman, uh, her hairstyle to me just screams like 1980s, <laughs> which I think kind of helps give the whole thing kind of a retro <laughs> feel. Cause he's got it's very awesome Sarah legs. Connor blow drying, right? Yeah, it's like a rocker. <laughs> yeah, Sarah Connor is actually a great uh, comparison. Yeah, it's kind of swooshed back and, you know, kind of tall. Um, there's a lot good. of Aquanet going on, I think. There's yeah. a lot of Aquanet going on. And in the story, in the younger, you know, back in the day, uh, Stargazer story, the what Picard is essentially doing is he's recounting a time when he was able to broker a truce with the Romulans, which, of course, is almost unheard of. Uh, but if anybody can do it, Picard can do it. And so he is encountered by this Romulan um, ship, and they basically both want this fancy mineral that's down on the the planet, what is it called? Sicilium. It's an isotope. And um, Picard uses his smarts, much in the same way that Squirrel Girl would, <laughs> to not uh, to avoid conflict entirely because he finds something better, which is uh, he sends some coordinates to the Romulans, um, to some asteroids that, you know, have enough of this element that they're going to leave the pre-warp civilization that's down on the planet alone. Um, so that's, that's pretty cool. So that's the the past story. Flashback to the present. They go back down to this planet. And what has happened, guys? The whole civilization is gone. And there seems to be like some kind of Mad Max situation here where there's people shooting. There's people on hoverboards. Nobody knows what's going on. They meet some guy named Hero. And then on the last panel, the big reveal is that we see Seven. And um, she remarks that, you know, kind of a similar thing that had been echoed earlier in the issue, which was that, you know, Starfleet is only equipped to solve some uh, issues out there. And maybe groups like the Fenris Rangers are better to handle other situations. Now, we don't know that this is a Fenris Rangers story, but we do know that we've got Seven on that back page, uh, you know, gun in hand, uh, looking good. So... My opinion of this issue is I totally dug it. Um, the art was very familiar because we've seen a million books by Angel Hernandez, and the likenesses are always good. The colors are always good. It was fun to have a story about previous Picard to me, um, to see like what's a way that he used diplomacy to solve a problem in the past, and the fact that the story is being told through the lens of um, of him telling a story as an old man is cool too uh, because then it's like you get the Picard side of things, which is the, 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 the Admiral imparting his wisdom. Uh, but you get a little bit of like direct connection to what he looked like as a young man and what the adventure was like as a young man. It looks like this story is going to unfold and be really interesting. Um, so yeah, I, I totally dug this book overall. Um, what did you guys think? Well, I thought it was really cool that we had an Andorian captain. Yeah. Because, you know, Seven was made field captain at the end of season two. And we assumed that she would be captain and Rafi would be her number one because Rafi was the first officer. But that 
that didn't happen. Rafi isn't in this issue. And Seven is not the captain, but we have an Andorian captain. And what's cool is it's a Discovery Andorian who's captain. Mm-hmm. So they're, yeah, they're me bringing, and the antenna are a little different. And, yeah. yeah, she's got a little, the, the chunky, the, the corners on the cheeks type of thing. So they're yeah, kind of the the different Andorian races together, which I thought was really cool. Uh, I think, you know, Jim, that's, I, we're going to have to headcanon that at some point because um, we've already done that with the Gorn. We've, <laughs> we've already, well, we have canon for why there are two different looks to Romulans, so no biggie there. And we have uh, canon for why there are so many different kinds of Klingons, so it's only a matter of time before we have to hit these Andorians and kind of headcanon stuff until they give us the real reason why they look different. Yeah, I'm looking at I'm looking at the book right now. But isn't the real reason just that production designers like to put their own stamp on stuff and they want to give it a new look? And that there's no, you know, I mean, isn't it just that? There doesn't have to be a, a fictional connective tissue between them, right? I mean, come on. What's funny? I'm just saying. I mean, it's just you know, it's 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 the reality of the of the of the production, right? And they just go with it. I mean, on the original Star Trek, they had a budget of ten dollars. And on Discovery, they had a budget of $6 million, So they spent that money to, you know, in different ways. That's, that's the actual reason. Yeah. But it was just, it's just, it's just nice that, that, you know, we actually, because on Enterprise, we saw um, Shran, who was more of a POS classic looking Andorian. And now in Picard, we see, I can't remember her name. What's her name? Um, I can't read her name. Anyways, we have this new captain who, who is a uh, Discovery-looking Andorian. And to me, when they meld the, the, them all together as if they're all one, that's awesome. So hats off to them for doing that. I know it's interesting uh, to uh, having just like a couple weeks ago seen, you know, because this book takes place between seasons two and season three, right? Uh, which we're going to get served up in a few months. But it's interesting that, uh, you know, having just a couple weeks ago seen the trailer for season three, right? It's like, it, 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 I was like, oh, are we going to see the Star, Stargazer in season three? Because like a lot of the stuff from this comic, there's like no hint of so it's interesting it's kind of like a clean slate approach it seems it's like there's maybe there'll be more stuff towards the end of this uh three issue series that makes us sort of feel like it's all connected but i'm not sure yeah so it's interesting though just to kind of go okay where are they going because it doesn't seem like there's a plot connectivity uh, between here and there but maybe there will be oh i'm 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 positive that there will be yeah, I mean, I think the fact that the first issue kind of starts with seven and ends with seven is interesting, and that's kind of a way for them to propel that seven story into the next issue. So my guess would be that issue number two, they'll focus on seven a little bit, um, you know, figure out what's going on with her, if it's the Fenris Rangers or what it is, and then they'll have their Return of the Jedi issue where, <laughs> you know, all of a sudden, the good guys are winning uh, over whatever evil forces they're fighting against. Um, I mean, there is going to be a little bit of a mystery here, right? Because they go down to this planet, and everything's destroyed. Nobody knows why. Well, maybe Seven knows why. 
So maybe she will reveal that next issue. We'll have to see. Well, they did jump. They did jump from her being, you know, a commander in Starfleet to being a Fenris Ranger. I don't know how much time elapsed between the beginning when she was testing the Kobayashi Maru with Picard to the time that she shows up as a Fenris Ranger. But um, I don't think that she resigned her commission as Starfleet. Well, she's got, uh, in this book, she's got two and a half pips on her collar. Uh, but she also says that she's not a cadet, and um, Picard refers to her as a cadet. So, you know, she says something about Starfleet evaluating her right now. So I wonder if she almost has like a, like a field commission of lieutenant commander or something, and then, but she hasn't actually been through the academy, and this was a, you know, this Kobayashi Maru that we faced at the beginning of this book is, a way to evaluate as to whether or not she's fit to become a cadet. I don't know. That's kind of the way I read the book, which is weird for her to have pips, but yet not have been a cadet. I don't know. Well, they did that to Wesley Crusher in the coming of age TNG episode. He had to go through all those tests um, on the holodeck. Yeah. So, So, I mean, when she comes and then how many pips does she have? Is she a captain when we see her in the Picard trailers? for the next season? I can't remember if we see her pips or not. Yeah, I, no, I think she was a commander. I, I think I remember seeing three. Three pips. Okay. So that I would be one so. step up from where she is in this comic. She's lieutenant commander here. So, Charles, yeah. Eric, Charles, uh, Paul, do you remember if it, how many pips she had in the trailer? Wow, nope. dude. Yeah, not me. Yeah, it's... Uh, <laughs> sorry. Yeah. I thought she was a commander. I might be wrong. Maybe it was two and a half. I thought it was three. But this, we don't know exactly the time frame before uh, season three that this we, takes we, place. No, but we've got some time frame in the comic book because after the training that Seven gets, Picard's on the Chateau a month later. We've got a we've got at least a good month or a couple of months between when he last saw her to when she sees her on the planet. All right, so that you know that that's pretty cool. That's that's pretty cool. But I I enjoyed the story though. I thought I thought it flowed at a good pace. I like the artwork. Uh, the colors are just pop right on the page. It's exactly everything you would expect from IDW good, you know, it flowed. Um, I didn't have trouble, you know, following it on the page. It wasn't, you know, really confusing, like jumping from, you know, this panel, that panel, this panel, that panel. It, it read very easily. Of course, I'm reading it on the Kindle. So, you know, I just, (laughs) to the next panel. Well, but part of what makes it easy reading, Jim, in my opinion, is that these writers in particular, and we say this over and over again with every book we review, these writers in particular are very good at capturing the voices of the people that they're writing about. And so when you read it, uh, I mean, the, the art absolutely helps, but when you read it, you read it in the voice of that character, and they are writing words that that person would use. You know, I I love going back sometimes and reading old 
some of the older Star Trek comics, but sometimes those don't actually capture the voice of the character. You know, that those characters end up saying things that they wouldn't necessarily say in real life. So I just feel like they've done a great job with, with the IDW comics in general with that. Yeah, IDW, I think. And, and yeah. Uh, yeah, IDW. And the, the fact that they're working with Christian Byer, as you saw, yeah. she was the point out book we read. The uh, light of Caleb was standing like that. Well, the fact that she knows exactly where season three is going, she knows exactly where they're going to start. From. The fact that she's working in the comic book just means that she can edge it exactly where they want it to go. So I think that works out good. Because we don't really know right now. But we can read the comic book just to kind of get an idea. And, and, and that's something else, too. Somebody was complaining on the Facebook page about that. Well, you know, if it's going to fill in between season two and three, then uh, why don't they just make that start with season three and not bother with the comic because um, not everybody reads the comic. Well, you know what? You don't have to read the comic. I'm fine if you don't read the comics. You don't have to read any of the books either. You can just watch the show. But if you want to fill in some of the backstory just for your own headcanon, then pick up the book, comic books or pick up one of the books and read them. And all it does is enhance your enjoyment of what you see on the screen, in my humble So Yeah, I mean, this is the way that you take uh, a franchise like Star Trek that started with episodes where there was honestly limited depth to some of the characters. I mean, you, you had your big major characters, but there was a little bit of limited depth. And you know, it, it tolkienizes them. It, it J.R.R. Martins them, you know, and like you, you, it adds layers of depth that, um, that in some respects, like you're saying, are not required. So that means you don't have to, but if you crave that kind of stuff, shoot, go for it. Yeah, absolutely. I like, if you want to see Picard with hair, <laughs> there you go. You well, know, and I believe that if with- you want, and I believe if you want more Star Trek, like the more Star Trek uh, properties you buy and products you buy and, you know, that kind of stuff. I mean, that shows them that you like what they're doing. So that, it's, your dollar speaks in a lot of ways. Exactly. So overall, I thought this was a really good book. I really enjoyed it. I, I enjoyed where it started, where it picked up. And I liked the pace that it moved along. I thought the artwork, as I said, was outstanding, and I really like that they, we have an Andorian captain of the Stargazer. I'm wondering if this is going to be the captain of the Stargazer, because Alex Kurtzman said that the um, the captain would be a character that we've uh, 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 that we've seen before, and so here we are with a Romulan. I mean, not a Romulan. Here we are with an Andorian. And we've seen Andorians before. So that, you know, I'm, I'm thinking that this, this character that we see in the comic book might be the character that he's alluding to. Maybe. I don't know. What do you guys think? You think this is going to be the captain on the show? Maybe. Possibly. Yeah. Could be. Or, we, or are we going past the Stargazer? We don't know. There's still That's been true. kind of hiding where, what ships we're going to see and how we're going to see them. 
That's very true. Very true. We don't know that for, we might not even see the stargazer in, uh, in season three. Hmm. Well, which, well, which ship is seven captaining in the trailer? The Titan A. Oh, the Titan A, right. That's right. Yeah, I, I've, I've heard rumors that we're going to see Enterprise D. Mm. Wouldn't they have to rebuild the, like, saucer section? <laughs> yeah. I don't know. We'll I don't know. It, it feels like they, I mean, I guess they could tractor beam that off the planet. Well, they were there rescuing it at the end of the of, of the movie, but I don't know. So, but this, this, I, I did enjoy the book though. I thought the story uh, moved well. I liked the characters. I really liked the captain as well. And overall, I enjoyed it. I thought it flowed well. It moved well. And it was nice to see a flashback to Picard's days on the Stargazer, as you guys said, with hair. Which I'm trying to think. In the battle, when they had the flashbacks, he didn't have hair. In which battle? When they had the TNG, the battle where he had the flashback, the Battle of Maxia, he didn't have hair in those flashbacks. No, but he had hair in the episode where he gets stabbed by the Nausicaan uh, back when oh, that was pre- yeah, that was pre-Captain days, but presumably maybe he still had some hair when he first made Captain because he's got uh, he's got four pits in in this, so we know he's Captain. True. Very true. Well, anyways, so overall, though, what, what did you guys think about the book? What did you think, Charles? Good book. I it 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 did exactly what I want this kind of book to do. I want to capture my interest, give me a good story, and give me the point of, oh, yes, I have to read the next book. Both of the, both books tonight, I'm looking at them, it's like, okay, yeah, I want to know what happens next. You leave me just enough of a cliffhanger that I'm interested in the story, and I want to know what's going to happen. So what would you give it on a scale of 1 to 10, Charles? I'm going to give this one a 9. A good start. I want to see what's going to go. A 9. All right. How about you, Eric? Uh, Well, I did enjoy this comic quite a bit. I was wondering, maybe Paul knows this. Paul, do you know how many pages are in, like, your typical comic? This one has 24 pages. You know if that's... Yeah, I think it's about average. I mean, it really kind of varies. Uh, It's funny you should say that because I was just thinking this afternoon, the Lower Decks comic, there's a lot of times they're not numbered, right? Very often they're not numbered issues. And the Lower Decks comic is like massive. I was like, this is way bigger than I was expecting it to be. It's really quite thick. I was like, wow. Um, So I would say it's bigger than normal. I feel like this seemed like an average length, uh, the Picard comic. Yeah, this one felt like an average length to me too, and it was a buck more than they have been charging these days. Usually, three ninety nine is the going rate. This one was four ninety nine, so I'm not sure why they upcharged this one. Maybe 
maybe the issue, the second issue will come down. Um, who knows? But it is a fun story, and I agree with everything uh, Charles said about it, uh, all the reasons that I like it, uh, and I'm definitely looking forward to reading the next one. So, yeah, I'll give it a uh, – let me see. I want to have good room for ceiling, and if I put it up against some of the other things we've read, I'll go, I'll go with an 8.5. 8.5. And how about you, Paul? What do you think? Overall I really story, it. color, the whole, the whole nine yards. Yeah, I, I, I really enjoyed it. It was actually better than I was expecting it to be. Because, um, you know, I'm, yeah, there were some things about season two of Picard I wasn't thrilled about. Um, but I, and what's great is all the elements in terms of plot in this first issue were all thing were weren't those things. <laughs> they were all <laughs> parts of the Picard universe that I was like intrigued to want to know more about, right? So I thought it was really well done. Um I especially want to emphasize the point uh you guys made uh that the writers just do in this particular issue, I mean I was hearing the actors reading the dialogue, right? I mean they really did a great job of using language that mat- matches exactly the way those people as individual characters speak. That's not easy to do sometimes. I think a lot of people try to do it and sort of, you know, bungle it, but uh, they didn't bungle it here. I thought it was really, really good. It was a very brisk moving, uh, you know, the the whole thing with the Kobayashi test for Picard uh, for uh, seven at the beginning was actually hilarious and it was really engaging way to uh, start things off, but it didn't belabor it, right? They moved really quickly. We got this set up with the Andorian captain, and then we started the flashback. We tied things together from the two time periods, and it left you really intrigued and wanting to know more, like Charles said. It's like, yeah, I want to see where this goes. You definitely finish it. You're not like, oh, that was a dull. I mean, you're like, no, you're like, I want to see where this goes, right? And uh, I thought it was really well done with really engaging art, sometimes uh, adaptations of shows. There's this kind of, you know, uh, the art can sometimes look a little phoned in, right? Because they're like in a hurry and it's just a paycheck or whatever. But I didn't feel that here at all. I felt it was done with, uh, you know, a really good evocation and nice style to it. So for me, I would give it, uh, I would give it an eight. I, I think, uh, I think it seems like a pretty fair, you know, uh, the bar for a 10 is pretty high. So, I'd give it an 8, an enthusiastic 8, and very much looking forward to the second issue. Yeah, and you know what? I, I'm pretty much going to mirror everything you guys said, and I'm I'm right around there with, with Eric. I'm like maybe an 8.5 uh, I think is good for me, 8.4, 8.5. Absolutely. It, it, like you said, it jump-started. It got you right into it. And that's that's good. So eight point five. So uh, Charles, what what's our overall score for us? Did you keep track of that? Uh, I didn't keep track. Okay, no big deal. Uh, All right. Well, we're gonna we're gonna move on to lower deck. Hold on. And we I can do this thing for. What'd you give it? Okay, Jim. Eight point five. Eight point. 8.5. Eric at 8.5. Paul gave it a 8. eight. So, um, well, Eric, mm-hmm. while Charles is doing some quick tallying, right? mm-hmm. we want to, uh, we're going to do our start. And I already played the Lower Decks theme song at the beginning of the show. So I'm not going to dive into it again because um, we already played it. 
So we're going to dive right into issue number one of Lower Decks. And, you know, I, I, I don't know what to say. Oh. Uh, 8.5. Okay, so 8.5, there you have you it. Got, I, did an eight, I did a 9, Paul did an 8. You guys are right in the middle at 8.5. There you have it. So Lower Decks has a comic book. And what can I say? Wow. Um, I think Lower Decks lends itself perfectly to a comic book because they're comic book characters on TV. And so when you when you pick up the book, it's like it's like reading the TV show. The characters are absolutely spot on perfect. I mean, everything about the comic book was just like like I said, reading the TV show. And I think that Paul did seem like a longer issue to me. Like again, I'm reading it on my Kindle. All right. So. Um, uh, you know, I don't know if it was longer or not, but it did seem like a lot of extra taps to me on my Kindle. So I think it was a longer issue than, than say, the Picard issue. But it moved at a really good pace. Um, I, I really enjoyed it. And uh, the artwork, as I said, was, was great. Um, the story really moved. And something that I really liked about it, a lot about it, it, you have to read the um, what do you call it? The um, not the book, but there's Opening little uh, there's little comments. Oh, the, the, the I don't know what you want to call it. Yes, the 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 writer writes these little like these little sentences, these little blurby things um, on the bottom of the page. That's just hilarious. Um, I loved it. I was laughing so hard at some of the things that I was reading in the in the subtext or, or whatever you want to call it. It's not part of the story. It's not on the page. It's underneath yep. it. They're and, like little editorial uh, asides, right? That's that kind of thing. Yeah. Yes. And it was it was brilliant. It was brilliant. According to Eric According to Eric, that is the style of that specific writer. The comic book that he was previously known for, and I can't remember which, which, which superhero he was known for. It's kind of like what Stan Lee used to do, right? Stan Lee would put, like, uh, in, in Spider-Man, there'd be little sidebar notes where he'd be, like, referencing the duh, the, the duh, a little, you know, editorial. Oh, I've, you seen know. Refer- I've seen references, but <clears throat> there's a superhero character that Eric's talked about that this, that, uh, Squirrel Girl. Squirrel Girl. Squirrel Girl. I hear that Squirrel Girl, he's well known for adding these little subtexts into the storyline. No, it it was brilliant. I I was, you know, Lower Decks is a comedy to begin with, but but it's like a comedy within a comedy when you read these little, uh, these little, you know, editorial points that the writer throws in there um so it's great you got to make sure to read those because they just it's just it's funny it's really funny so i really like that and and i you know i was reading it in the voice of the characters you know boimler was boimler and tendy was tendy and, and mariner was mariner um they were all themselves as i was reading the book and that's the mark of a great comic i think 
when you just when you go right into the character. Yeah, really I, I, I really want to be able to talk about the comic, but I also want to be like sensitive for our pal Eric here who hasn't uh, read it yet. But I, I think there's you know, we can talk about it. And there's probably going to be a couple of things that might. Uh, uh, I mean, just by necessity, are sort of like spoilers. Does that seem fair, or, or yeah. is that okay? Eric bounced already. Eric bounced. Our friend Eric he, bounced already. Oh, he didn't yeah, think about it. He left. Oh, okay. He yeah, because quietly. All right. Yeah. Well, anyhow, I just because I don't know if this is like uh, for me the com. I was like, okay, and it is. It's like we were just talking cover price, right? Um, Six ninety nine, which is just a little uh, more expensive than the big issue four hundred was, right? So it's, it's a whopper. It's a big comic, but I got a laugh, a hearty laugh, right out of the gate uh, with page one, man, because I don't know if they've ever done this in previous ish, uh, episodes of uh, Lower Decks that have come before, because I haven't seen that many of them yet. But oh my God, the fact that they had the way to Eden people. <laughs> yeah. 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 On page yeah. one. Yes, I, I don't know if I referenced that. them before, man, but uh, as soon as somebody said Herbert. I was going to bring it up that Lower Decks, is, Lower Decks frequently does a teaser scene that has that opens the episode before the credits that has nothing to do with actually the show itself. Just have they ever done up. those people yeah. though, the space hippies? Have they ever used them before? Not the space, not the no. space hippies. I'm not super fond of that, man. That's like... that's to me one of the funniest uh, original series episodes ever, and uh, just the fact Herbert. that they started busting out the Herbert lingo, and that was, was yeah. great, man. So funny. Well, you know, I think Paul, that's one of the things that makes lower the lower decks lower decks is that is that right there? They 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 pull out something from the past, which they do on the show all the time. They've just never pulled this particular episode, but they do it all the time. And in this particular case, it was the way to Eden. And uh, it just starts out that way. And it was like, Oh my God, this is the space hippies episode. And right off the bat, I was laughing. And yeah. That was thing. really, it was a funny, funny starter offer. So starter offer. I don't think, <laughs> I don't think that's really appropriate, but it was a great way to, to, you know, bring you in there. So very, very funny stuff. I, I liked it a lot. So, yeah. Well, one of, one of the things that I liked in this episode is that you get into the back of the book and get the page bad, uh, badgie explains it all. Yeah, that's kind of like your um, uh, the uh, cadet training type of thing, really, with the episode context exactly and the callback. They're, yeah, they're showing thought, the fact that they refer they reference many old TNG and TOS episodes and the animated series. Is Badgie from the show? They, or do they have that character on the show? Oh God, yes. He came Badgie, in. He, he came he in from first. Everybody. He came That's in really the first funny. Season. He, it's yeah, like the, he was uh, a character. It's like the the time what is the time variance authority thing on uh, Loki, right? The little clock guy who's like, you know, yeah. Hi, I'm your cheerful icon who's here to tell you things. It's like, you know, it was, exactly. it was very funny. I thought that was a great, that was a really fun page to have in there, right? So yeah, I think you definitely, uh, uh, you know, I, I like IDW a lot, right? And they did the fake uh, Cerritos nachos ad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, more five nachos. 
small page thing. But you don't do stuff like that unless you're really fond of the material, right? And you have uh, mm-hmm. – it's not like they're just cranking out a Lower Decks comic to make some money, right? I mean, I'm sure that's they, – they're hoping it will be successful. But uh, but I know it's sold out at our comic book shop for sure. Uh, uh, you know, I think people are into it because they – it's because uh, the people who made the comic feel like they're into it, right? It just seems like it really yeah. is a uh, – you know, that they really enjoy it and they care about it and they want it to be funny. And I think that really shows, man. So it's kind of a delightful surprise, right? It's like in the – there were so many comics in the 80s and 90s that were sort of ancillary to other popular TV shows, right? Where they, you know, how many X-Files comics were there that were, just weren't so great? <laughs> just kind of no, like that's exactly clone copies of the show and, and and as soon as you read it you're like well i forgot that it seems like in the art was really hastily done right and you're like all right well, what's Paul, the... well, but these are really good man they're really no, good. Well, really good jim and jim has said this and i kind of agree you can say the same thing about the star trek pocket books back in the 80s there were a lot the of them, pocket man. books there were a lot of them, and they really did, they kind of just threw the story to themselves. Now the novels have come out. The novels are a lot of the good novels are very serious on what they're discussing, and they're very, they're tied. They're getting communication from the writers' room. They know what's going on. Yeah, there's a lot more the uh, attention to, to to trying to make sure that in ways that make sense it's probably more thought of it being weaved into the overall like canon of the shows right i mean it's not it has exactly. to be like you know exactly canon but but you know kind of a well, couple degrees removed so it feels like it's just a good fit exactly we've used a term we've used a term on here called canon adjacent oh okay yeah I think not that's a really exactly good term. canon but it's so close to canon that you're right there next to it I think that's a really good turn of phrase. I think that captures it exactly well, right? I, it seems like that's something they must be uh, thinking about. But, uh, but yeah, I, uh, for example, like, you know, uh, this Lower Decks comic, right? I mean, without getting too deep into the plot and stuff, but uh, it, I think because it was so much bigger than I was expecting it to be, and there was so much going on, there's a lot of holodeck nonsense, right? Which is just, you know, and I say nonsense with well, great it, affection. I will go it, back it, and read this true. again, right? I'll go back and read you know it again what? because it was yeah. so entertaining. You could say that the holodeck nonsense kind of sucked a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> could you this know, be a Halloween-themed yeah. reference? <laughs> it could be. could be. And you know what was the great about is- it? The holodeck was used in this week's episode of Lower Decks as well. And uh, I don't know if the if the episode dropped at the at the same time as the comic, or if they planned it that way. But the holodeck is is pretty big in this issue, but it also is prominent in the episode of Lower Decks that was recently on television too. So that was neat. Well, there you go. Yeah, it's great. Yeah. But uh, it's it's well, you know because they use it's a really funny uh, and and clever uh, you know angles. I thought. So, I, I well, agree. and the thing is, in the in the in the lower deck series, they do a lot of times where they'll do an A story and a B story, and sometimes a C story, 
And the comic book did the exact same thing. Oh, there's an A story that deals with the command crew, and there's a B story dealing with the lower decks. So we got two different stories going on that might weave into a big story. You know what I really like? I like the fact that I'm not going to say this without when 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 they come out of the holodeck and Mariner goes to talk to Ransom because remember Ransom is her um, her officer exchange mentor or whatever you want to call him uh, from the TV show so she's got to report directly to him and she goes to him and he and he he actually quotes the TNG episode where all that stuff came from which which I thought oh, was yes. just like brilliant because it's like you know why because as fans we already know to, to, that's common knowledge to us but but to hear the character actually say back what we all know it's just i thought it was great i mean i don't want to give the story away but uh what he tells her to do but i just yeah. thought it was it was it was great that they acknowledged the fact of where that came from and why they were doing what they were doing with what they were doing. I don't want to spoil it, but it was, it was really good. Well, really, really good. I like how they reference saying, well, I want to do this holiday story because this is a Picard story. Picard did it also. So I like how boy, I like how Boimler looks and says, Oh, and they, they do this in the, they do this in the series. Well, the reference no. like, well, that's what Picard did. Charles, so like, is, that yeah, the same, they, is that the same holodeck program that that uh, that the Doctor uh, and Shax w- was running on lower decks? Only uh, was that the same type? Of, was that the same program or a different one? It was very similar. Might 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 be a reference to the same episode because they referenced the big goodbye, and I think that might have been part of the reference. Was that may have been a big goodbye reference in the in this week's episode also? Yeah, that's what I was thinking. It was awful coincidental that it was a black and white flashback and the whole nine yards. I just to me, I think that was a reference to the big goodbye. But um, I could very well be both because this one does reference the big goodbye also. It was enjoyable. Yes. And like like uh, Paul said, there were a lot of there were a lot of like inside jokes, like the tortilla chips, you know, um, and uh, the 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 little sidebars that the writer throws in. Every every page or two, there's like a little, a little editor's note, which are just as funny as the book, and and I think this lower mm-hmm. decks lo- lends itself perfectly to the comic book medium, and I, I I would like I really would like to see I know there's only three issues, but just reading this first issue just makes me want more. I think more so than any of the other Star Trek books that we've talked about on this podcast. Well, I think that Lower Decks lends itself perfectly to a comic book. I think that's where Lower well, Decks can strive because they can do things that they can't do on the TV show because they only got 21 minutes to do the TV show, whereas the comic book, they can do whatever they want. They don't have that that constraint on them. Yeah. 
Well, look at the fact that we had the whole big mirror war occur. And that was, oh, mirror, um, mirror broken, uh, oh, the, I can't think of the one with Barkley in it. And then the third one. So they they went through at least three different full series working with that arc. This could be a this could be a test drive. Well, let's see what the fans are going to think about a lower decks comic series. I loved it. And I loved as it. you I guys say, that, that the the issue so the issue at least in. Yeah, I liked it a lot. I think did, did we lose, lose contact? Yep. Uh, he was talking and we lost him. Yep. So we'll just keep. So Paul, what did you think of it overall? I mean, the whole the presentation, the the little editor side notes, the little the pages with the tortilla chips and the badgie and the whole. <laughs> <line. laughs> I thought it was, you know, it's. I thought it was great, man. Again, I, I still sort of feel like a bit of a newcomer to the whole Lower Decks vibe, right? But uh, but I thought it was really funny. Um, it was clever. I mean, where you're like, okay, this thing is huge. Will it, you know, um, that's the risk. Is you've got a great big issue, right? Can it sustain your interest? Is it going to be too big, right? And they're just filling it up. And But I thought it was good. I thought there was a lot of good... Uh, stuff in there a lot of good jokes um a lot an engaging story that brought me through there um fun asides to it i mean ransom on a exercise ball is pretty freaking hilarious <laughs> that was funny <laughs> just, come on. it's just like yes i'm just gonna do these ab crunches yeah. while i talk to you it's just like it's like what a you know what a you know but uh, but it's funny it feels like the show Right, like you were saying, it feels like the show, and it's clever and engaging. Um, I, I would imagine that you know, age appeal is pretty broad, right? In terms of like you know, uh, adult versus younger readers, so it uh, who like the show. So I suspect we'll see way more than three issues of this thing. It would not surprise me. I mean, I don't know how many they have planned uh, for this, but I mean, they could just you know, as long as they're coming up with fun uh, takes on the property. They could do do this for a long time because it's pretty engaging. So uh, a pleasant surprise. So I think, you know, we're not talking about it tonight, but, uh, you know, I mean, but, you know, uh, Charles just referenced Mirror War. You know, the Mirror War comics are still going on. And then, wow, if you can find a copy, uh, comics readers, uh, you really want to track down issue 400 of star trek yes idw uh put out right because it's like that this is like in just the space of like a couple weeks we've been getting a great star trek title every week we got the picard title we got issue 400 and then we got uh lower decks this week and it's really clear when you look at issue 400 that they're teeing up you know a whole lot of other comics uh to come i don't even know if they uh pitch the uh the title of it or not, but there's like an ad that basically says, you know, uh, before they have the editorial at the end, you know, that it's, that it's, there's more of this to come. I can't remember. Oh yeah. Boldly going on, uh, 10, 26, 22. It's like an ad. And they just basically say to be continued Star Trek number one. So clearly a whole new, uh, 
Star Trek number one uh, comic series from then that that 400's kind of the lead in for, right? So that's exciting too. So uh, I really like IDW, right? I mean, I'm a fan of a lot of different comic companies, you know, Dark Horse, Marvel. You know, there's so many good ones out there, right? You know, uh, uh, Oni Press. There's so many great, well, you know, and, and Portland is kind of wacky because, you know, you're always joking about Portland, but Portland's like a comic mecca, right? There's so many comic producers and uh, comic publishers that are here. Dark Horse is based uh, near Portland. So it's just we, we really take our comics and to a crazy degree here, but it's just so great to see that IDW is like, you know, uh, doing all their stuff from a perspective of real uh, – uh, fealty and affection yeah. for the franchise. These people cr- clearly care about it, and I hope that uh, that uh, the, the good folks at Paramount continue to build that relationship with IDW because I think they're doing a wonderful job yeah. and attracting a lot of good talent. Well, well uh, we gonna... have a story we're going to talk about on Thursday. There is a brand new Star Trek line coming out called Star Trek, and IDW is working directly with Christian Meyer and the writers of all of the Star Trek shows. And they're going to have comic books that are going to come out that are going to follow very closely with the approval of the writers comic books that are going to fit right into the lore of the show, just like the book that Charles was talking about. We're going to talk about that on Thursday. But overall, what would you give this book on a scale of 1 to 10, Paul? Oh, I think I'd probably give it a, you know, a, a nine, man. I I think it'd be, I'd give it a nine. You know, this is very well done. Yeah. I, you know what? I'm, I, I'm going to go with a 10. I loved it. I absolutely loved it to death. Um, I was laughing. I laughed. I cried. I hurled. What can I say? I loved it. <laughs> and, <laughs> how about you, Charles? I'm going to go with Paul there on a nine. I like what they're doing. And to add to Paul's comment, with uh, 400, I'm going to go back in time a little bit, Jim, and say that 400 reminds me of a series we talked about back when I started. And that was a series called Waypoint. Oh yeah, that and they was were a usually long time. three. They were three. There were three or four stories in there, different authors, different artists, different themes. None of the stories were connected, and it was always good at seeing who was coming up with a good story, and it was interesting the tie-ins with that. And that's what Four Hundred did. 400 did the exact same thing that Waypoint did. Because there's such a variation in those stories, but those stories are so good and riveting. And they're just little quick stories, but they are so good and like, oh, great. I'm curious what the next person writes about. Yeah, that was a good thing. And one of the things that captures a lot of people's attention in wanting this issue was the fact that we got an author in there that we've not seen in the comic series before. And that is Will Wheaton. That's and right. his story, you don't really 
realize where his story is going. So you see the final panel and you're like, oh, wow. Did not see that coming at all. Well, guys, uh, we're just we're just about out of time here. So I want to say thank you to Eric, of course, for hanging out with us, and thank you so much to Paul, the toy guy, for hanging out with us. Thank you, Paul. Of course. And thank you to Charles for hanging out with us. Thank you, Charles. Of course, we got a nine point three overall with that second book. It was a good book, and I, I want to let you guys know before yeah. we run out of time. On Monday, the 26th at 7.30 p.m., we are going to have with us live on this show a representative from Playmates, and we're going to be talking Star Trek toys. And I have a Data, a Riker, and a Picard that I want to give away to you. I'm dying to give it to you, but you have to call 646-668-2433 Monday ask a question and if you do that i will send you a figure very easy very painless that's going to be monday 7 30 p.m eastern daylight savings time right here um also um i have been talking with nami uh, melamad who does the composing of the music for star trek strange new worlds and star trek prodigy she's also going to be on this podcast in the future so keep your eyes for that And we will be back with you guys on Thursday night with our usual Trek Talking Story, where we're going to talk about Star Trek Lower Decks, Room for Growth. So I'm your most excellent host, Uncle Jim, saying, please, everybody, be good to each other and stay safe. Hailing frequencies are closed. Good night, everybody. Adios. Live long and prosper. Let's see what's out there. Engage. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Oh, 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 you need parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, 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 O'Reilly.